Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for today's episode of TCCP is none other than Yorkshire and former Nottinghamshire batter, Will Frayne. So Will, first things first, mate, thank you very much for joining me here on the podcast today. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome you on for a chat about all things county cricket. I have to ask, mate, how has your day been so far? Uh, thanks for having me, Aaron. Uh, my day has been a bit different to than usual week. As I say, at Yorkshire, we, we've had the winter plans been Monday to Thursday, so Friday's our day off. And I've been taking around uh, Howden's kitchens by my missus because um, we've got a new house and we're looking at kitchens. So a bit of an interesting switch up for me uh, from the usual. But And then apart from that, I've not moved off the sofa, so it's been quite pleasant. Yeah, sounds like quite a, a nice chilled day, that. Got to be honest, Will, we don't often have that activity mentioned on the podcast, going out looking for a new kitchen, but did you have a kitchen in mind? Have you you got your eye on one? Yeah, did did think that would be quite a niche answer. Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a long process, but I think we're narrowing it down now. Um, Mrs. wants to go with a dark one, so I think that's... And to be honest with you, I'm just sort of letting her take the reins. You know, happy, happy lady, happy life. <laughs> Very, very true. Good words. Some sagely wisdom to kickstart today's episode of the mm. podcast. I would try and give my two cents when it comes to kitchens, but I'm more of a cricket expert as opposed to kitchen expert. So, yeah, I don't think I can give any handy advice there, unfortunately, Will. For anyone out <laughs> I, there, I know you might be disappointed. You might be disappointed. Yeah, you might be thinking poor. there's a new kitchen out there. What's the cricket connoisseur's opinion on it? But that's unfortunately, the whole yeah. reason, that's the whole reason I came on today to hear opinions. So that's quite disappointing. Well, in that case, Will, we might just have to end the podcast here. Two minutes in, I've already let everybody down, tuning in to today's episode. It would be, because usually they last for at least an hour. And to be honest, I'm guessing that today will be absolutely no different. But for the for the newer listeners out there who maybe aren't quite familiar with how we operate here at TCCP, unfortunately, we're not going to be talking about kitchens today. Instead, we're going to be talking primarily about the wonderful world of county cricket. So we'll start off today by talking about Will's early cricketing memories, then a large chunk of today's episode will of course centre around Nottinghamshire and Yorkshire County Cricket Club, and then we'll wrap up today's recording with a little look ahead to the future. But Will, before we get into all of that good stuff then, I want to transport you all the way back to the origins of the Will Frame cricketing story. So what were your first ever memories of cricket, either playing or watching this sensational game? <sighs> Cricket's... Um... It's always been a part of my life. I think my baby pictures, videos that my mum's always showing me. I'm getting, I'm studying my nappies, holding the bat. My granddad's throwing balls at me in the hallway. So I think my family's sort of, my my dad put a bat in my hand probably as soon as I could stand up because uh, he, his brothers, my mum's brothers, and my grand, my granddad on my mum's side, all sport mad. So rugby, football, cricket, uh, it was just all over the place there was balls all over our house and my dad played at the one of the local teams called lassels hall and i reckon some of my earliest memories are i used to go up every saturday with my mum and just play with the kids who also came down and just watch my dad in the background and that was basically my weekend probably from being the age of two till i was about till i could do it myself on a saturday so i was probably about 10 or 11. Well, I'll tell you what, Will, that really is a lovely route into the game. So very much family-orientated, very much local-orientated as well in terms of club cricket. 
in those mm-hmm. early days. So that really is a lovely pathway into the game. Uh, yeah, definitely. No, yeah, my family, my dad and my my mum's dad, my grandfather, they actually lived next door to us. Um, so he was he. My granddad used to come around every day, and we have a little driveway, and he just used to throw balls at me. But I was on end, and there's loads of video. Actually, of whenever I got out, I just refused to give up the bat. I was just like, no, nope, go again. Uh, which my mum still takes the mickey out of me because I wish I could do that now. It'd be really handy. <laughs> I wish every time I got out, I could be like, no, 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 go back. Let's have a go. Uh, but that was my childhood. Um, I was a bad loser. Still, I'm a bad loser. Um, but luckily, the family gave in to me and just let me just bat all day. <laughs> Well, luckily they did. And now here you are talking as a professional cricketer for your home county of Yorkshire. It's funny how life works out, isn't it? From those early days of batting from, as you mentioned, basically being, you know, walking for the first time. And all of a sudden, you know, fast forward, you're playing for for the White Rose of Yorkshire. It's been quite the journey, Will, as we shall discuss in due course. But you mentioned your dad. What is your dad's name for those who don't know him? Just give him a bit of a shout out. My dad's Mike. My dad's called Mike Frayne. He... He's a great man. He's supported me every day of my cricket career. And he's probably, he is the main reason I think I am where I am now, just because I never thought I'd get here. But he kept pushing me, kept making me believe in myself through all the numerous setbacks I had. Um, Yeah, he's a great man. Great man. Well, that is wonderful to hear. And shout out to Mike then, because obviously he's had a massive role in the developments of your cricketing journey, Will. And I suppose aside from those early days, the real formative years of the Will Frayne cricketing story, which revolved very much around local club crickets and your family, who would you say in the professional game, maybe on the domestic or the international circuit, really stood out to you as being a role model or an idol or an influence? Did you have anybody in those earliest years who you looked up to, per se? I would say I was, I'm 26 and I was born in 96. I was just around, as I say, I was cricket mad. I can just about remember the 05 Ashes and that iconic series. And I think growing up, I really do remember, I used to have a GM Purist. That was my first bat, the red one. And I used to love Michael Vaughan's cover drive. So I used to kind of like, I, I enjoyed watching him. But I think the main ones were, because I used to bowl as well back in there. I used to be one of those kids, looking enough, my local team, where I'd open the bat and open the bowl in. So I used to love Freddie Flintoff and KP and one of my best friends, actually, still one of my best friends. He used to have the, the yellow, the woodworm torch, I think it is. So I, I think those those guys were hard not to idolise coming up in the year I grew up in. And we were all trying to switch hit and we were all trying to flick balls from six stump through mid-wicket. Um, so yeah, KP, Vaughan, Flintoff, Strauss, that kind of era were, were guys that I... I used to love and when the new bats came out every year we'd all be like trying to be Alistair Cook with the power bow and all that stuff so it was yeah those guys definitely led the way I think in my uh, my earliest memories and unsurprisingly so because that was a fantastic generation a great era of cricketers across the globe to be completely honest and you mentioned the 2005 Ashes Will I can't even begin to tell you how many hours I've spoken about that series on this podcast it's probably worth a rebrand at this point. We should no longer be the Counter Cricket Podcast. Change our name to the 2005 Ashes Podcast. We talk about it so frequently here on TCCP. But because you brought it up, I need absolutely no excuse to ask this question. 
But if you could go back in time and relive just one day of cricket from that iconic series, which day would you choose, Wilfrane, and why? That is it's a tough, a tough question, that, because there's so many unbelievable days. But I think if I had to relive one, it would have to be KP's 150 at the Oval, just because I've, I think that's the first time I ever really saw this incredible just demolition of some of the best bowlers that have ever bowled in cricket. I mean, watching watching a guy who hook Brett Lee who's bowling at 95 miles an hour, 100 metres into the Oval, and just looking like he's bowling 70 clicks was... It's just something that you just you can't fathom how he's doing that. Even now, as a professional cricketer, I'm looking at him being like, how the hell has he done that? Because KP was a bit of a genius and, and he, he played innings and, and shots that just have redefined where cricket is now. I think he was one of the main pioneers in the way the, the cricket world is now with all the, all the franchise and, and the aggression show. And even in Red Bull now, the aggression show is just different and he probably pioneered that. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not surprised by that. We've had that quite a few times here on the podcast. It was a fantastic knock and a fantastic result for England, wasn't it? That final test being drawn and obviously England winning the series 2-1 as a result, getting their hands on the Immortal Urn, which sparked those incredible celebrations as well, didn't they, in in London? But (laughs) you mentioned there some of the players actually beforehand. So Freddie Flintoff, again, an icon from that series, the likes of Michael Vaughan, the likes of a Kevin Peterson just to name but a few. Mm. If you could have a net session, Will, with one player from that series, either from England or Australia, who would you choose and why? Oof, that's tricky. Um, that is a tough one. To be fair, actually, this is a different story, but one time, so we were netting, I think it was last winter, and I was on the bowling machine, I was doing kind of eight mile an hour picking up, trying to hit it over a cow in sort of white ball. And it was going out, and this guy sort of appeared he was wearing casual kit like i didn't know who the hell he was and he stood at the back of the net watching me back and i was like who the hell is this fella and then i went to pick up the balls he came down introduced, and it was michael vaughn and i was like i was like all right Vaughn." and he was like yeah how's it going what are you working on and i was like oh, i'm just trying to do this and i had no idea i thought some random had just wandered in there, michael vaughn and i was like who the hell is that fella but he'd come in to bring uh, his lad archie down for a net and uh, i had no idea and and then he, he stayed and watched the next bucket and I, I felt a lot more nervous knowing that he was watching me. Um, okay. So that was, it was, that was quite a cool sort of, cause I'd never met him before and he's a, he's a lovely guy. Uh, and uh, it was one of them where it just sort of like happened and I had no idea who it was. Um, but yeah, Vaughn, he, he was not detected in about cricket, but I think I also loved Ricky Ponting. Uh, his pull shot like was something I used to just idolise. I was like, wow. Because I like, I, I think I'm more of a back foot player and I do like sort of trying to be aggressive on the back foot when I can be, especially in white ball. Um, so his pull shot was something I just looked at and was like, how is he doing that? I'm trying to work out the, the fundamentals of how he cocks his wrist and, and stuff like that. So any of those guys, Ponting, Peterson, Vaughn, like, I'd just be an absolute sponge around them. As to be honest, would most people, because they're legends of the game. And as I said, what an era of cricket that was. I mean, 2005, I've got to be completely honest, that was the Ashes series before I got into cricket. So I've only ever seen highlights and obviously the 
complete 2005 ashes on dvd yeah, which on is a DVD. fantastic dvd and you've got to purchase it if you're a cricket badger because it is sensational viewing it was mm. excellent over lockdown in particular but yeah my first series was 2009 so i watched the great escape with jimmy and monty in cardiff that was, and yeah oh that, that was, was a great, great series, series as well yeah it was another great series that mm-hmm. it was I remember that one well. well actually before we get on to our chat about county cricket just one final ashes related question because 2023 is an Ashes year. Luckily, I won't be asking for your predictions, although we can maybe talk about that in a minute. But in terms of your all-time favourite Ashes memory, would it have been that 150 from Peterson or has there been an Ashes moment, I don't know, in the years that have followed, which has maybe surpassed that per se? I think the 05 one is one that just sort of sticks at you. But there are just, there's so many, like it's hard to sort of name them. I mean, I think it's incredible... Ben Stokes' 100 at the WAC, I know it was in a series where we really, really struggled, but that inning, I think innings like that really stand out, especially on a pitch that had cracks about three inches deep and wide. And it was um, stuff like that. And then when Strauss and, and Cook went absolutely massive in that partnership, that's something that it's just nice, like to to watch England dominate over there. That's I think that is something that is just as a supporter you just have to take immense pride in because it's it's I've only ever played grade cricket in Australia and that's tough enough because there's good cricketers but it's just it's hostile as soon as you open your mouth it's hostile <laughs> and they realize you're a pom you're in trouble <laughs> so at the MCG in front of 9,000 people who are just there to try and get under your skin it must be so satisfying to sort of rub their noses in it yeah that was honestly one of the greatest ashes moments in English cricket history. We were something like 500 for one, weren't we? At That's the end insane. of that day, it was it was Just incredible. Unheard of. Exactly. And as you said, dominance and Trotty scored a ton as well in that game. Yeah. So obviously for me as a Warwickshire fan, that was a very, very proud moment as well. And I suppose because uh, I did mention a prediction, well, I do have to ask that question. 2023, Ashes year, Basball versus Pat Cummins and the Aussies. Who's going to win? I'm, I'm backing us. I really am like, home turf i'm i'm very confident in in the direction of this team and obviously being mates with brookie and having him around the sort of feeling around them and and this sort of air of confidence and i think to be honest with you they they're going to thrive on it the way they've just discovered this this brand is remarkable and it will be very tough compared to the challenges they have faced so far but i i am confident on home Home turf that they will probably like a two-one. I reckon. I'd go for a two-one England. I don't want to go three-one or anything ridiculous because I don't mm. think it's going to be you know that dominant. I'd love it to be. I'd love Death England to, to. Yeah, exactly. Death Death to dream. Dream. <laughs> a nice four-five-nil would be lovely, but be I don't great. think it's realistic against this Australia team who are just so well balanced from one to eleven. I do think they are going to pose a very very difficult challenge. But as you said, with Brenda McCullum at the helm. Stokesy captain in the side. We've got some magnificent talent. Harry Cherrington Brook is, of course, one of them from your county of Yorkshire. Mm. It's going to be an exciting summer. And to be honest, I just can't wait. 2023 oh, Ashes. Bring it on. Bring it fireworks. on. It'll be fireworks, that's for sure. It most certainly will. And again, isn't it fantastic that we've also got a lovely county season as well to enjoy around it? So, <laughs> yeah, 2023 for us as cricket badgers and cricket fanatics, it's looking very, very nice. 
Indeed, Absolutely. I can't wait for it. If you can't already tell, listeners, by the tone <laughs> of my voice, I'm a little bit excited for the start of this summer after a very, very long winter. But we'll talk in of county cricket because this is, of course, the county cricket podcast. It is in our name. We do now have to talk about your time in the county circuit. So, first and foremost, what were your first ever memories of county cricket? First ever memories. Um, that would have to be going and watching Yorkshire as a kid and being part of the Pathways system, which was kind of like in the winter as a young cricketer who, who was doing well, you sort of got into sort of winter Yorkshire training and there was like a bronze, silver, gold set up depending on how, I guess, how good they thought you were. And I remember going into Headingley a couple of times and being around the East Stand and sometimes the pros would be in so you'd see like, you know, Ajmal Shazad and stuff. Um, and I was lucky enough to sort of be, well, I think me and my friend, we won like a, a tournament, what was it, a tournament or some sort of prize somewhere, I can't remember. But we got to be a mascot at one of the T20 games at Headingley, and it was against Worcestershire. And I, I don't actually remember who the captain was, but I just remember Steve Davis opened the bat in Forster and Tino Best was the overseas. And I remember watching Tino Best from side on being a nine-year-old kid, probably nine, ten-year-old kid. And just thinking, how the hell are these guys facing this ball? <laughs> like, you can barely see it. But I was like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, I think those are my earliest memories, being around Headley training as a kid and then watching a few games here and there. But yeah, it was something that I just knew I wanted to do. Yeah, I got the feeling that you'd say something along those lines from the earlier passage when you mentioned about having a bat in your hand from very, very early on in your life and obviously as a born and bred Yorkshireman Headingley was going to be in there at some point wasn't it let's face it 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 has to be yeah well it does and in terms of those early kind of dealings with Yorkshire how would you describe your experiences in that academy setup because you were in it for a number of years obviously you didn't go on to play straight away for Yorkshire from that pathway Mm. system but how would you describe your experiences in the White Roses academy setup ah it's difficult. I had a very interesting sort of time with Yorkshire. It was so I, I I grew up and I did well for Huddersfield as like the district and basically being from the age of ten, I first got into Yorkshire when I was fourteen. So I got through to the final trial every year from under tens, under elevens, under twelves, under thirteen. Got through to the final trial and never got in. So I, got, I basically lost out at the final hurdle. And to be honest with you, it was soul crushing. I remember being a 12 year old and getting the call off a guy called Simon Hawking, who was the coach and basically said, unfortunately, this year you haven't made it. Blah, blah. And I just remember being in absolute tears like after the phone call with my dad. And every year it would be, oh, you know, he'd probably be, oh, they don't know what they're talking about, Arsenal. And oh, it doesn't matter, just go runs, it'll come, it'll come, it'll come. But to be honest with you, I never thought it was going to. even It didn't matter kind of what I did for Huddersfield or what I did uh, for school. I was just like, just never going to get in. But luckily I did. I got in on the 14 level in the B side and played and did all right, actually, that year. And then I had an interesting time the next year. So I did well. I opened the batting and then went to the trial the following year at Woodhouse Grove School. And what used to happen was some guys didn't have to go to the trial. So you'll know guys called like Josh Shaw. Yeah, yeah, Showy, from, from Gloucestershire. Yeah, from Gloucester. Showy and Waity, Matthew Waity, he's now at Worcester, was at Yorkshire. 
they were two of the guys at my year who were just front runners. They were ahead of everyone. Like Shoei was always in. He was just he used to bowl seven mile an hour when he was twelve years old, and everyone was scared of him. So Shoei was in. So I went to this trial, and what used to happen was some guys wouldn't even go to the trial, but then some guys like Shoei might not even bowl really at the trial. They'd have a look at other lads. So I went and I batted eleven. And I'd opened the bat in the year before in the B side. So I was like, oh, okay, this is weird, but maybe this is a good sign. And I bowled first change. And I was an all, I was okay. I was decent. I was good at club level uh, and district, bowled all right. But I never bowled for Yorkshire. And I was like, this is strange. So I bowled first change at the trial, did all right. Went in at the end, got like 10 not out. But then I didn't get in. And I was so confused. My dad was like, why did you bat 11? So he spoke to the coach uh, who was running it. And he went... My dad was like, why did Will bat 11 at the trial? And he went, well, he's a bowler, isn't he? And he was like, no, he opened the batting last year for you and he didn't bowl. And he was like, oh, right, oh, God. So that was probably a, a bit of a red flag for me with the Yorkshire growing up. I was a bit like, oh, what on earth has happened there? But um, luckily I went away, did well, and, and got back in and then got 100 in my first game through the 15s and sort of cemented a bit of a spot there. But that was a... I don't know what happened there, but it was clearly a, a big cock up on on their end. Um, and then, so I, I was never I was never academy contracted. I was always sort of a bit fringe. I was always there thereabouts, and I played uh, when I was in year eleven to my last year at GCSE year. I played for the academy, sort of jumped a year. I was like under fifteens B, and then all of a sudden started playing in the academy with like Will Rhodes and Johnny Tats. And all these guys who who played England age groups, and I was a bit out of my depth, really. I was like, oh, God, um, what, am I, what am I doing here? And did all right again, got a couple of 50s, but then I got, I got a hamstring injury and missed probably like a month and a half of the season. And yeah, I got let go when I was 16 and went on to boarding school down in Worcestershire. So I, I didn't actually have the best time at Yorkshire. I, I left Yorkshire feeling very disillusion shall we say I was a bit annoyed I didn't really see eye to eye with the coaches on their decisions and felt like I was treated a bit as a spare part in a way but that sort of added to the to the determination if you will of sort of proving them wrong well it's funny you mentioned that because that was the exact question I was about to ask as a result of that that first kind of stint I suppose in the Yorkshire Academy I couldn't believe that story with the coach by the way that's absolutely bizarre but yeah <laughs> you left feeling you left quite clearly feeling disillusioned with your home county as a result of those experiences but at the same time did those experiences when you came down here to the West Midlands to play for Worcestershire and their academy setup almost reignite the fire and the passion for you to come back even stronger in the game of cricket Oh, 100%. Uh, I always knew being a kid, I, I school, I was a bit of a, a bit of a mischief. I was a bit of like class clown vibes. So I knew I wasn't going to sort of do anything too great at school. So I knew, and, and it was the only thing I used to think about was training and playing rugby. I loved rugby as well. So I just rugby in the winter, cricket in the summer. Um, so I just knew that's what I wanted to do. And, and then it was tough to be honest with you. It was a tough time, you know, being released from the academy and you know, having your mates and then find it's a bit embarrassing, you know, it's sad. It's like, oh, I didn't get, you know, whatever. That sucks. And it was tough. But I remember I went down to uh, Bromsgrove School, it's called, and um, got into their sort of, got a scholarship at that school under 
Dave Fallows and he brought in a guy that you'll know, Matt Lamb, he's now at Derbyshire. Mm-hmm. So Lamb, he was my very, very good friend of mine and we were at school together. And there was another lad called Darrell Williams who was a really good leg spinner at our age. And he brought in three lads because he was like, we've got a really good rugby set up, but we want a cricket set up. So they brought in us to sort of be like, well, these are the guys that are going to lead the way. And I did well for school. I, I worked I worked really hard on my game. And somehow Fallows had links at Worcester and was like, we'll get you a, we'll get you a go in their sort of academy. And I remember my first game was at rugby school against Warwickshire. And they had a really good team out. It was like Mark Adair who opened the bowling for them back in the day. And I did well. I, we played two games and I got a 40 odd off, not so many opening up and a 30 odd off, not so many opening up. And then after that, it was sort of like a call basis. It was like, oh, they just give me a ring and be like, yeah, we want you to come and play. So I'd be like, all right, sweet. So I'd train at school and then go play for Worcester. And it sort of kicked on from there, really. And, and, you know, it was one of them. I really enjoyed it. Was it was a it was a great place with great people. Good. I'm really glad to hear that. To be honest, Will, because we we do get that quite often. To be honest, when it comes to the pairs, it's very much almost a family feel to the club, yeah. isn't it? In comparison to other counties, in particular the bigger counties, I suppose. But again, that is understandable given the size of the organisations and the the systems themselves. But I suppose my follow up question to that would be. Why do you think it didn't work out at Worcestershire then? Why do you think that the next step was never actually achieved? Why didn't you become a player for Worcestershire County Cricket Club in county cricket proper? That was a that was a question I asked myself a lot um, when I was about nineteen. Um, like I said, I played for them from never contracted, but I played regularly in the second team all the time in the academy, and they looked after me. They were pretty. The guy called Elliot Wilson was the academy director and he was a really nice good coach like looked after me well helped my development and Kevin Sharp was in charge of the second team at that time Sharp is an absolute legend stories galore another Yorkie so I think you like that about me um it was there was quite a lot of competition at that point in Worcestershire they had a lot of young batters so they had they had Tom Cole Cadmore who was two or three years older than me who was the next big thing rightly so he's unbelievable with peps and they had they had Joe Clark, who's my year. They had Alex Hepburn. They had George Rhodes. And then they had three lads who were a year below me. Um, one called Ollie Westbury, another called Zen Malik, and Josh Dell. So I was kind of in the... I, 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 was, I wasn't a Worcester lad. I hadn't come through the academy, and all those lads had come up from being 11 years old. So I think there was a bit of loyalty shown to them. But I never really got much coaching off Worcester I never I went to some sessions at New Road but not a lot really I was kind of just always there there about for instance I only had one playing shirt and one training top and one pair of shorts uh, the whole time I was at Worcester so that was like it was it wasn't like I was, I was made to necessarily feel like oh we're really getting after you type of thing but I did well like I as an eight, 17 18 year old I play I played in their second team opening at the batting and I played like six games and averaged 60. So I, I did well and played a one-day game back in seven against Lancashire. We're playing a one-day game. And they basically, it was a second-team game at RGS Worcester. And they brought basically their first team. So Carl Jarvis played, Jordan Clark, Stephen Parry. Um, who else? Oh, uh, Tom Smith, ironically, my second-team coach now. Uh, Yorkshire, he got 100 I caught him out at long on. 
So Smithy played, and I ended up we were, we were chasing like three fifty, and we were we were about one twenty for five when I came in. I just sort of chanced my arm and just tried to get after it, and I ended up getting eighty off fifty balls in that game, and then got out and only. But that was it. That was in front of Steve Rhodes as well, the first team coach. So I sort of had I did well for Worcester, but then for whatever reason, I think it's purely down to the amount of batters they had at the time and they were their boys and they were showing loyalty which i understand you've you've got to do it you've invested in those lads and you back those lads um but yeah i remember i got i got 90 odd against knots um the last game and then i got dropped so i rang sharp and was like what's what's going on and he said oh we're they were playing a game at edgebaston against warwick twos and he was like come down we can have a chat so I remember this vividly, being sat in the stands at Edgebaston with Kevin Sharp, and I'd known him for a couple of years now, and, and he was good to me, he looked after me, taught me some really good lessons. Because I needed, I was I was raw, and I didn't know the correct way to do some stuff, and what time to come down to breakfast in the morning, or what time to get to the team bus, and, you know, on time is late. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need to learn this stuff, which I still haven't learned sometimes. Um, but I remember being sat in the stands with him, and he basically explained that they weren't going to offer me a contract because they felt like they had too many young bats on the staff already. And I sort of was like, well, okay, but I've done better than them. I've done, I've scored more runs without not a lot of training. Do you think that's fair? And he was like, I, you know, you have done well. Like, you know, I agree with you. You have done well. Unfortunately, it's just not going to work out right now at this club. But he sort of said, look, we'd love you to play like next year for us or keep playing because he basically said he, he didn't play me because they weren't going to offer me a contract so he was like I didn't want to take your time up where you could go somewhere else but I sort of said well I don't know anyone else really Sharpie so if you want to play me play me because I'm in the shop window because if you, you're not going to sign me and I score runs in someone else they might be like oh let's have a look at him but I remember it well and we had a good chat he was honest with me and I remember the last the last ending I sort of asked him I was like Sharpie do you Honestly, be honest with me, I was like, do you think I'm good enough to become a fresh cricketer? And he said, yeah, I do. After this year, because I worked really hard on my fitness, my field and everything, he was like, I, I can see you doing that. So that, I took a bit of confidence away with me there, being like, okay, well, if he thinks I can be, then I, I held his opinion in quite high regard. And so I took that away. And, and it, was a, it was frustrating because I really loved it at Worcester, but it just wasn't meant to be at that time. And, and that's okay. It was all part of the journey. Well, it is. And that's the only way that you can really look at it. You know, you can't have any regrets or look back on it saying what could have been. Because as of, as I said, as of this recording, you're talking to us as a Yorkshire player. So clearly things have worked out in the years that have followed rather fortunately. But I suppose from those days in both the Yorkshire Academy and the Worcestershire Academy, both of which unfortunately didn't work out at those times, Will, what were the next steps for you? in terms of your cricketing journey then? Because I know you went and played for the Durham MCCU. That's who you actually went and, and made your first-class debut for. But I'm on about in terms of the, the very next step. So after being released from those two academy setups, what did you put in place to ensure that you weren't going to exit the game at that time? Yeah, so I, like I said earlier, education wasn't the one for me. I didn't really enjoy it and I was a bit of a muppet. So I never really thought about university as a viable option. I never even, it never crossed my mind. And it was actually, funny enough, my ex-girlfriend's family who 
pushed me to be like go to university like you know you could you've got decent grades like i did a b-tech at bromsgrove and it actually meant that i could get into durham university which was crazy because you know <laughs> b-tech's not like a levels um so they pushed me to actually be like apply do this start this out and it ended up so that'd be that was the summer before i went to university when i had that chat with with sharpie so i ended up getting a place at durham uni and uh obviously their mccu program i applied to loughborough durham and cardiff and all that and Leeds. and durham was just the right fit it was obviously and also um my ex-girlfriend's family were quite academic and they were like if you turn down durham university a degree from there you're an idiot and i was like right sounds like i'm going there then <laughs> um so yeah that was the next step i that i probably had that chat with sharpie in september and went to university in the October. Um, so it was straight away. It was straight up to Durham with and Paul Grayson had just got the job straight out of the Essex role. And we actually kind of hit it off immediately. We were just sort of very similar guys. And he, he's been a massive help for me in my career. But he sort of, again, took me from where Sharpie had left me and then raised my game up a bit more to where it sort of where I needed to improve he sort of saw elements where I needed to improve and where it was good and and he was quite straight he's quite straight talker as Peach and he sort of maybe made me more honest and sort of no excuses this is what it is this is what you need to do and I sort of took that on board and was like right let's do it type of thing and so that was the next step it was playing for Durham. <laughs> Well, it is a lovely step as well because the MCCU have been massive in many a county cricketer's journey. So many times on the podcast, we've mentioned the programme and the importance of the scheme because not everybody gets in via the traditional academy setup, do they? So it's really important to have that alternative pathway into county cricket. And Durham have produced a lot in the past few years, as of Loughborough, as of Leeds, Bradford, and Cardiff. So it is a scheme which, again, I always plug here on the podcast, but it really is integral to the developments of certain cricketers. And for you personally, Will, I suppose one of the biggest moments from your time at Durham Uni, aside from getting your degree, would have been the moment you made your first-class debut for the Durham MCCU. So what can you remember about that game, the occasion, and what was going through your head on that particular day? <sighs> nerves, crippling nerves. Um it was at Gloucester. It was away at Bristol. Um, I remember it well. It was there was me. Uh, Ed Pollock was batting three, so I opened, and I just remember being so nervous. Um, and also that day, figuring out that oh my god, these guys are bloody good. <laughs> like I remember, I, I I only got six, I think, and shock, I got LBW to David Payne swinging one back. Um, but I remember being out there. I probably faced about twenty balls, I think and faced David Payne, and I can't remember who the other opener was. Um, but yeah, I remember batting there and feeling like, oh God, right, these guys are proper. I need to sort of train harder and get better if I'm going to compete with these guys. But it was it was great. It was, it was one of those where I probably let the nerves get the best of me a little bit. Um, but having played a few more university games, I think you sort of learn eventually not to try and take those games too seriously. Because at that time, especially when the first class stats counted, the pros sort of used it as a big warm up because the vast majority of us, and me and myself included, we weren't on that level. We weren't there. We were good cricketers, good young cricketers, 
but we weren't anywhere near David Payne or Chris Dent or anyone like that. So it was one of them where you had nothing to lose and everything to gain. So I think if I could go back in time, I would try and have that attitude of and not try and put myself under too much pressure. Because um, the guys that did well in that were guys that actually haven't really gone to be professionals. They just sort of didn't really care as much and just were like that. Never mind. I'm just going to go have some fun. And um, But the scheme was great for stuff like that. It got you in touch with the counties. I remember we played against Essex one year. And Essex are a social team, but we were invited. And obviously, PG was their coach. And we got invited into the dressing room after we played them. And we all sat around and had a beer. And I chatted to Tender Scar for probably half an hour. Just like, how do you do this? What do I need to do with this and this and that? And it was it, it's sort of invaluable, really. And, and a lot of times, it was a lot of overs in the dirt. But you didn't mind it because we knew what we were there for. We knew that it was this was going to be dirt. But it was fun. It was good to be in the field with your mates, just grinding it out and being like, ah, and just taking the, the mick out of each other. But I have very fond I didn't really do a lot, to be honest with you. I think my top score was about 30-odd. But I I fully, thoroughly enjoyed those games. Oh, I'm, no, I'm lying. I'm lying. I did get a... I got 69 out or 79 out against Durham in my last game. But that's it. I didn't really do a lot. <laughs> well, there you go. Finishing off with a bang, then, with that 60 yeah. or 70 against Durham. But... Honestly, Will, that's great to hear because if it isn't already obvious enough, I'm an advocate of the MCCU or the UCCE as it's now known because so many cricketers have come up through those pathways across the country. And again, without it, there almost wouldn't be that safety net, would there? We'd lose so many cricketers to the game and it really is an integral pillar of the English and Welsh cricketing pyramid. So I just wanted to give it a bit more of a mention give it a bit more of a spotlight and I'm really glad to hear it's had such a positive impact on your journey because you're sat here now as a Yorkshire player so quite clearly the scheme in some regards has definitely done something correctly there and talking of county cricket then before we do get onto our chats about Yorkshire because I know that the Yorkshire fans tuning in will want us to discuss many a highlight from your time with the White Rose First and foremost, we have to discuss Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club because that's your first stint in county cricket proper, as we know it. So from those days in the Yorkshire and Worcestershire academies, then, of course, moving to Durham, doing your degree and playing for the MCCU side, how did that opportunity at Trent Bridge first materialise? Yeah, it was... At that point, I was a bit of a journeyman of second-team cricket because I'd been around and played for Worcester... I tried to play for Leicester Academy as well and stuff and didn't quite get in, but I knew a few people and, and Sharpie sort of, I think, said a few nice words about me because it was my second year, I think, at university where I was, I got an opp- like, opportunity to play for Worcester again. Sharpie was like, oh, can you play this game? And I was like, mm. so I actually ended up playing for, which is now nowhere, but it was the Combine University side, which used to play in the second team championship which was probably, I reckon, still to this day, by far the most fun I've ever had playing anywhere near professional cricket because it was 10, there was probably six of my best mates in the side and then three of the other lads I really got on with. And it was just second-team cricket, having a good time, no pressure, and just playing well against good sides. And I think that's sort of how it materialised. I did well playing for them. 
I did well in the universities and it was actually Ant Bota, who's still a coach at Knotts, who I think he knew, he knew a guy who knew my dad and he, that guy told Ant to have a look at me. And he said, oh, and I think he did a bit of checking around and was like, oh yeah, we'll have a look at him. And I basically, I think it was 2017, went down, played a few games. Uh, actually, ironically, against Worcester, I think I got 60 in my first game for Knotts in the twos. Um, and then after that, I just played. I played a bit, played against like a Bangladesh A side touring in a white ball game and did all right. I think I got like a 49 at the end, just trying to whack it. And it was after, that was it. So then 2018 rolled around, uh, my last year at uni. And again, I started, I got that 60 or 70 an hour in the first class. And I think the main thing that happened was we played against Sussex for university in Cape Town, played against Sussex in a one-day game. And we were chasing 370. Luke Wright got like 180. And um, they had Joffre and they had Ollie Robinson playing. And we as all knew who Joffre was at that point, and we were like, oh, no, he bowls absolutely with the thunderbolts. This isn't going to be fun. Um, but me and my mate were like, ah, never mind. Let's just go do what, see what happens. And I just luckily had one of those days where things went my way, and it was probably the best I think I've ever batted. And I ended up getting 120 in that game. And, and that was against, obviously, a good attack. It was Joffre and Ollie Robinson and, and Will Beer and all those guys. So... After that game, Mike Yardy, I think, was the batting coach, our second team coach at the time. And he basically took my number and sort of followed me a bit. And I think what happened with Knotts was I was sort of on a few people's radars. So when I went back to Knotts and I think I got a 60, I remember this actually, I played against Northampton in a twos game, got 60. And Pete Moores was there and he came, I'd never met Pete. And he came up to me after that game and just went, um, can you come and train with the first team at Trent Bridge tomorrow, please? And I was like, uh, yeah. Um, so that sort of just suddenly happened. And I remember I went down to this training session. I'd never met any of the lads, Bawley and Harry Gurney and Stamet and Steve Mullaney and all those guys were there, Ricky Vessels. And I just did a session with them. You know, I did fielding with them before and then I battered. And I was, I think I was just in great touch that summer for some reason and faced Borley and Samit and had a good net and then all of a sudden after that net Pete just went look we want to offer you a summer contract um, and if you sign with us you'll come with us tomorrow to Manchester and you'll play at Old Trafford and I was like what? <laughs> so literally within like a space of a day I got offered my first deal but what was quite ironic about this as well was I think this was probably a Tuesday I was meant to be having a meeting with Martin Moxon on the Friday about possibly being offered a summer deal at Yorkshire. And then also I had a voicemail of Mike Yardy being like, we want to offer you uh, to come down to Hove and train and play second team with us and see how it goes type thing. So it was, it, and you hear this a lot about cricket, it, it can change over, it can change so quickly, both good and bad. That's why you have to not let this game get you too high because it's going to knock you right back down. So it was like, oh, and all of a sudden I'm there bringing Paul Grace and I'm bringing my dad being like, what do I do? Like, what do I do? And it was PG that was like, look, if they're offering you first team opportunities straight away, take it. And do you like it? Not so I was like, yeah, really. Like the coaching was fantastic at Knotts. I really enjoyed the, the team they had. And I was like, yeah, all right. So I, I signed my deal. The next day I came in with my passport, signed the contract, got my kit, picked my number and then I drove up to Old Trafford and trained with the 
Ross Taylor and Vessels and I mean they must have literally been like who the hell is this kid like it's just out of nowhere we just signed this lad and um, yeah that's how it sort of came about it was crazy that is crazy it was mad honestly like the, the the turnaround time on that is absolutely rapid the fact that you've gone from trialing with all these different counties having gone through all of those academy setups as well unfortunately not getting a deal up until that point and then all of a sudden this opportunity at knots presents itself and straight away you get a deal that is absolutely incredible and well i do just have to ask about this before we get into your time at knots and we discuss the highlights and of course your debut in county cricket but i did read an article on the trent bridge website you had to have a chat with the university board of examiners if i'm not mistaken about an essay what was the what's the background story behind that like we discussed, I was um, I worked hard my third year at uni because I had to. I had to claw it back because I didn't do enough work. So I basically had had an essay due. So this game, I think, was on the Wednesday. I had an essay due on the Wednesday, but I had my list day debut on the Wednesday. And I was I'd been training. I'd, I was I think I remember, I played on the Sunday like two T twenties, which takes up your whole day. And then on the Monday, I think I played like the first day of a two day or something. Oh no, I trained. That was the day that I trained and got the, the offer. So this was all crazy. And I had to sort of ring the university and be like, look, this is crazy. This is happening. I, I don't have time to do this. I will try my best to get this done for the next day. So they were quite lenient with me and they let me sort of do that. But I remember the night before my debut at Old Trafford, I was up till half three doing this essay. So I was up late doing this essay just at this desk at the Marriott in, in Wormsley in Manchester. Uh, it was insane. To be honest. It just, within a two or three days, my life just went upside down. And all of a sudden, my degree, I couldn't care less about because all I wanted to do was train and get better. But yeah, it was, um, it was quite unique. It was a unique way to start your career. It definitely is. But at the same time, also an immensely rewarding one. And a well-deserved one as well, given all of those academy experiences, the near misses, as you mentioned, all the way back in in age group cricket, and to finally get your hands on a professional deal. You know what they say, good things come to those who wait, and that was definitely an example of this. And in terms of that debut, I had no idea up until half three on the night before doing your essay. Goodness me, that's not exactly ideal prep for your debut. But in terms of that day, going out there and representing Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club for the very first time, realising that dream that you've had since you were really, really young back in the day up in Huddersfield. What was that like, stepping out onto the field for the very first time as a Notts cricketer? Just, like, I was just in awe, to be honest with you, to be, and I, I can tell you, I never, I always thought, I remember having to chat with my dad, it was about January in my last year at uni. And I remember January chatting to him and being like, Dad, I, I graduate this summer. What the hell am I going to do in my life? Like, I don't know what I want to do if it's not cricket. And he sort of gave me a good chat about, you're 21. Do you think I knew what I wanted to do at 21? And I was like, yeah, I guess. But I, I just remember never thinking I was going to make it. I always thought, I thought I was going to be one of those guys in the pub in 20 years' time where someone goes, oh, he was a proper player. In, he, I don't know, he never became a pro. And I'd just be like this bitter guy in the corner with a pint just be like yeah it's rubbish <laughs> so i never i honestly never in my wildest dreams thought it was going to happen i just thought it's just not meant for me like i'll always be there thereabouts, but i'll never reach it so my first experience of being on that field was 
I'm still in the field. Ross, Ross Taylor was the was the guy was um, the overseas in that side, and I'm there just on the field doing catch practice with Ross Taylor, and I'm like, what the hell is like? I just couldn't believe it. It was I was kind of just in shock in a way. It all happened so quickly. I think that actually helped me not get too nervous because it was all I didn't have time to sit and think about what was happening. It just happened. Um, so my memories of that day are definitely being nervous, but really enjoying it. We ended up winning that game, and it was a good game um, in the end. Um, and I really, enjoyed, I had like a little sort of tiny cameo at the end. Didn't really, I got caught out. I, I never I genuinely hit this ball, and I got caught out at deep square by Keaton Jennings. And it's the hardest, I've, it's the furthest I've ever hit a ball. I hit it, and I was like, oh yes. <laughs> and I got caught out. It was like an eighty-five meter boundary, and I was like, oh. That's not ideal. So I got like 13 off eight balls at the end, but faced Parky. And I remember I knew Matt Parkinson a little bit from age group cricket. So I, he, he, I remember I came in and I remember I'm absolutely bricking myself. Trying to look calm, but I'm bricking myself. And he sort of, he was at the back of his run and he was bowling to Mullaney. And I sort of looked at him and he looked at me and he just sort of winked at me. And I was like, oh, here we go. Um, but it was nice. It was, it was good to sort of start against... Um, Parky and sort of get an early boundary away and I sort of relaxed a bit and to be honest with you I was good when I got out because I think we had about I think it was only about another over of nine balls left and I was like oh I could get thrown out yet and sort of just like really influence it so that was frustrating but it was it was an amazing day and the most nervous I was was actually I remember my whole family so my granddad my dad's parents my dad my younger brother and my mum came not to mention my two two of my best mates from uni took the trip down and I was fielding at Cal and Dame Villas hit one and it went really high off Mullaney and I kid you not I can remember hearing my heart beating as this ball's in the air I could hear my heart through my chest and luckily I ended up catching this ball my dad there's a picture of my dad behind like this just like didn't want to watch he was like that's I was more nervous when that ball went up than I was watching you pat and on the camera, I catch it, come in, and you can see me going like, like to the lads, just signifying how nervous I was. Um, but yeah, it was a great day. We ended up winning, which was the icing on the cake. And it just sort of made me really, really like, I will do whatever it takes. I will train as hard as I possibly can to make this, this start a career. Because I just loved it. It was amazing. It was a thrill that I hadn't had before. <laughs> So well, I fell in love with it. Honestly, Will, that is absolutely phenomenal to hear. It, it really is. And what an incredible memory that is. Having all your family there as well must have just made it even more special. And yeah, well done for taking that catch because I can imagine the nerves would have been incredibly heightened at that particular moment yeah. if you would have dropped that. That's the story you're hearing for the rest of your life. So it's a good job <laughs> that you got two yeah, hands underneath 100%, that. But... 100%. Yeah, you'd be getting roasted about that until this day. I can guarantee you that. But I suppose this would be quite a tough question, actually, to, to answer. But would you say that debut was your proudest moment from your time at Knotts? Or was there another moment, a particular highlight, maybe a particular knock even, which has maybe surpassed that from that time in the East Midlands? Or would you say that debut really was the the peak of your time with Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club? No, I would say, obviously, it's a very fond memory, and I really did enjoy my time at Knotts. But I would say my, my favourite memory was the first-class game, my first-class debut for Knotts. And we got absolutely 
rotted by Surrey, by that 2018 side, which were just in the form of like their lives. They were incredible. Um, they had unbelievable players. And uh, I did uh, I did well in the second team and got a game because I think Chris Nash hurt his shoulder. So I got to go. I was batting three. And that, was, I was so nervous. But... Um, I really, it was really tough. That we, the wicket was like the outfield. It was so green, and we lost the toss. Got put in. It was cloudy, and they had, uh, I think it was Dernbach, Morkel, Ricky Clark, and Sam Curran was their four seamers, and then Gareth Batty was the spinner. And I was like, oh god, this is gonna be tough. Um, and funny, <laughs> Mull got out the first ball of the innings, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> So I went in second ball of the innings and against like Morkel and Sam Curran and Aaron Finch was spraying me at third slip, which I was just laughing about because I was like, he was like, who the hell are you? And I was like, it's a great question. <laughs> he was like, where the hell have you come from? And I'm like, yeah, that's so true. Like, you'll have no idea who I am. I don't even, no one knows who I am. Um, but I ended up getting, I, we gritted it out. I remember I was batting with a good friend of mine, Jake Libby. We gritted it out we built a partnership and annoyingly I got out the last ball of Morkel's like eight over spell for about 20, but I grafted really hard and I felt quite proud walking off at what I'd achieved. Ollie Pope took an absolute snare in the gully. It was really annoying. But then in the second innings, again, we, we really struggled that game. Like we got bowled, we got bowled out probably 160. And then Surrey just demolished us. And then the second innings, I got a 30 odd. And I was set. I was batting really nicely. Sort of find my flow against these like guys I'd, I'd never thought I'd face. Like Morning Morkel and stuff was bumping me, and I was just loving it. I was like, oh, "This is incredible." Um, but then Ricky Clark ended up nicking me off in about thirty-three, I think it was. But I top scored in that innings. Oh no, I didn't. Sam got like fifty, but I was second behind him. And I felt and Pete Moores was really sort of good with me. He was very like mate, like. There's work to be done, but you looked at home, you looked great, this and that. And it was sort of then that I was like, well, you know, I've not got, I'm working away, I'm walking away from 25, but that's a good sign that I can hold my own against these guys because they were just unplayable that year. So I took a lot from that and a lot of pride from that and a lot of hard work had gone into that. So I think that was my, that was personally my proudest moment. And he won't know this 100%, you definitely remember, but Brody played that game. So I played a first class game with Brody. That was cool. Um, stood at slip for him, just absolutely cacking my pants. <laughs> like, oh no, please don't nick it. Please don't nick it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah if, if you dropped a catch off Stuart Broad, you'd know about it. I can guarantee yeah, he'd, that. He'd have he'd, he'd remembered me then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that is an incredible memory. And can I just say, Will, I've, I've noticed this throughout the podcast, but your recall in a cricketing capacity is absolutely incredible because in that game, I do actually have some of the stats from that particular innings and 183 run loss to Surrey mm. in 2018. Yeah. But 19 from 61 balls in the first innings, as you mentioned, dismissed by Mornay Morkel at the end of his spell. And then 30 from 77 in the second innings, dismissed by Ricky Clark. That is very, very impressive memory and, and recall of that particular occasion. But as you said, it must be a tremendously special day. That's your county championship debut. Again, you work your entire life for moments like that and even though knots were absolutely pummeled on that particular mm. occasion the thrill the adrenaline rush from facing the likes of a sam curran 
a Mornay Morkel, a Ricky Clark, these top elite professionals, is unmatched. And that is exactly why you play the game of cricket. But aside yeah. from those proud moments, I suppose, and the highlights from your time at Trent Bridgewill, I suppose you do have to ask the question of, of how it came to an end, really, your time at Knox, because you had gotten off to a decent start. You played in, I think it was a total of 11 or 12 matches for Knox over the course of that summer. So a, a decent stint at Trent Bridge, to say the least. But how did things come to an end then from your time at Nottinghamshire from that impressive start? Um, it was tough to be honest with you because obviously they'd shown faith in me and given me my first opportunities in pro cricket and I will always forever be grateful to Notts for that, for backing me and, and giving me a chance. It it came to an end a little bit because of situations really. Yorkshire came back in, so I remember I I only signed a summer deal, so I was only signed to the end of September. And I remember when I signed for Knotts, I had a conversation with Martin Moxon and he sort of said, look, if things aren't working out Knotts or whatever, please keep us in your mind, keep us in your thoughts. And it got to the back end and Frog had sort of, Moxon sort of kept tabs on me throughout the year and I'd played against them in a second team game, in a T20 game and batted nicely and got like an 80-odd in the twos against all these lads. <laughs> it was hilarious. It was like weighty and... Wayneman and Tomo and stuff, so it was great. Um, and so, I, I, again, I sort of guess I reminded Frog that he was like, all right, we want to have a look at this lad. And it wasn't that Knotts didn't want me. They offered me a, a three-year extension after that summer. It started off as a two-year, but then I went to Yorkshire. They offered me a three-year, so then Knotts were like, well, what do you like about their offer? I was like, well, the longevity. So McNeil was like, well, all right, we'll offer you a three-year. And it was more... I felt really wanted by Yorkshire, like uh, Moxon's vision sort of had me in it. And it was very much like, we're going to give you this opportunity. We can make you this. We're going to, we reward this. And it felt a little bit not like, because they'd also, they just signed Slater, Duckett and Clark. Three lads who didn't matter how many runs I ever scored they just were immovable objects. I would never get past them. I would always be behind them. So I, I was kind of like, well, I'm going to spend three years just playing at Lady Bay and getting the odd game here and there. And Lady Bay is not the best place to play your second team cricket. Um, so I was like, well, that's going to be tough. And it was it was more a case of my dad said, go where you feel wanted. And he was like, go where you feel wanted. And that was Yorkshire. And it was just a bonus that it was sort of, my dream as a kid to come back and play and again it was I never thought I'd play for Yorkshire ever in my in my wildest dreams I never thought I'd put that shirt on and and then it happened it came around and like I said they were very keen on me and it was just a, a case of that go where you wanted so that's there was no hard feelings with knots I loved it was tough because their setup was great Trent Bridge is iconic the guys were really nice and the coaching was excellent Pete Moores is He's a great coach, and so is Paul Franks and Bota. They're, they're terrific coaches. So it was tough. It wasn't an easy decision, but I went where I was wanted, and I, I don't regret it. And you shouldn't, because to be completely honest, obviously playing for any county is tremendously special, but playing for your home county just means that bit more, doesn't it? It is the childhood dream, as you mentioned, and in particular for Yorkshire, for anybody born in the county... That is the ultimate, isn't it? To represent the White Rosens, 
to have the opportunity. You just can't turn that down. You cannot turn that down. The most successful club in English cricket history. You know, sometimes they say about the, the, the knock on the door being a bit different, I suppose, with Yorkshire in that regard. If you're born in Yorkshire, it certainly is. It's the knock that you dream of receiving. And in terms of Yorkshire County Cricket Club then, Will, this is actually quite a nice question. And answer this however you deem fit. But what does playing for Yorkshire actually mean for you? As someone born and bred in the county, you're from Huddersfield, you've played your club cricket, mostly for Honley CC, up in Yorkshire itself, in the county. You had those experiences in the academy setup. They didn't quite work out in the first stint. But as of 2023, you've now had a few years representing the White Rose, one of the most recognisable clubs in world cricket. What does playing for Yorkshire County Cricket Club mean to Will Frayne? It means everything, to be honest with you, like to put it lightly. Um, it is something that I dreamed of as a kid. I'm immensely proud because the competition and the pressure, the expectation at this club is unmatched around the country, I'd say. It's, it's an incredibly proud thing to walk out at Edinley. It's, it's almost too proud that you put so much pressure on yourself that you're there. And it's something that I, I still need to work on. But it was just always there. It was always nagging at me that that's all I ever wanted to be. It's all I ever wanted to do. And if I could just wear that shirt, then I would have felt like I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish in, in my life. And like when the offer came in from Yorkshire, one of the main things that I spoke to Paul Grayson about and my, my dad about was, and they both said the same thing. They just went, look, clubs like Yorkshire don't come knocking very often. So if they come knocking, it's hard to turn them down. And it was something that I was just like, I can't. It was always like every argument I had to be like, oh, maybe I should stay at Knotts. It was like there was a counter in my head being like, but it's Yorkshire. And I was like, yeah, it is Yorkshire. So to put it bluntly, it means the world to all of us. And I'm very proud to be in a squad that is mainly lads that are from the county and from the area and many of them have grown up for years like Tomo is my age and he's I remember him well and he's played since he was nine I mean he's had a, almost like a 15 16 year like stint and, and memories of the club so he's I think you find a lot of lads we're just through and through we bleed Yorkshire and that really is fantastic to hear I imagine that'll be music to the ears of any Yorkshire fans tuning in to today's episode of the podcast, the fact that it does mean so much for you guys to actually go out there and represent that county. A county which, as I said, has got so much history. 32 outright county championships and then a shared one as well. The most successful club in the entire country when it comes to first-class crickets. You think of some of the names as well who have done that shirt over the years. You think back to the 1990s, a certain Sachin Tendulkar started off his First career. One, yeah. Exactly, in county cricket at Yorkshire County Cricket Club. So... It must be a tremendously, tremendously special thing to go out there and represent any county, of course, but your home county. That's even more special and rightfully so. You should have those emotions and those feelings going out there and representing them. And, well, this is going to be a tough question, actually, because I can think of quite a few memorable games that you've had for Yorkshire or at least been a part of. I think back mm -hmm. to one in particular this summer on Sky Sports at the Oval, which I imagine a lot of Yorkshire fans <laughs> would like us to discuss at yeah. some point. But... What would you say if you could choose one moment from your time at Yorkshire so far 
has been your highlights from your time with the White Rose? That that game at the Oval this year has to be up there. It's ironically, I've got really fond memories again. Sorry, <laughs> always sorry for some reason. The blood, the bloody good cricketers, these guys, but it, 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 some of my best memories are against them. So that quarter final this year was. It felt like a true kind of David and Goliath. Like it really did. No one was giving us a chance. We ourselves felt a little bit like, okay, boys, this is going to be tough. Like they've got the world 11. Let's go out there and grab hard. And the one thing that I think is special about Yorkshire, we've had a really tough 18 months, really, really tough. And, and it's been tough on everyone, including the fans. But there's something like a Yorkshire grit where a lot of times we don't give up. Our backs are up against the wall. A lot, a lot of last year, results didn't go our way, but boy, did we fight. And that's one thing that you always get with the Yorkshire, with Yorkshire players, I think. We don't give up. Like, so that quarterfinal was, I think, a prime example of we got off to a tough start. We lost Livy, who had been excellent throughout the whole tournament. We lost him early to probably not Will Jackson's best ball as well, as I remember. And Finn as well got out pretty early. So we were a bit like, okay, we need to rebuild here. And Dave and Tom Cook, everyone did a great job at that. And again, that was where they could have just tossed it off, but they they went on, built a partnership. And lucky enough, I got the nod that game to come back in. And I had a really good sort of frame of mind that day where I was like, I'm just, I was a bit, to be honest with you, I was a bit annoyed and I was a bit, not seeing eye to eye with some stuff and I was just angry. I was angry and I think that came out in my, my innings because I was just like, right, I'm just going to go out there and whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to try and hit sixes because that's what I do well. And I'd let myself down a little bit in the last few games where I just wasn't backing myself and I was getting out in ways that I don't normally get out. And I was being a bit soft, a bit in my shell. So I was like, just release and just do it. And luckily it paid off. And again, we stayed in the game and we stayed in the game and it looked like it got away from us when Jamie Irvin came in and played that blinder. But then uh, the big show himself rocks up and again, he was, again, nothing to lose. Five for the last over. I think that's the whole reason why Tomo bowled so well because we've spoke about it numerous times and if we'd have needed 11 off that over, who knows if we'd have won because I think that would have changed Laurie Evans and Jamie's intent. And it would have changed Tomo's pressure because Tomo didn't feel any pressure because he was like, well, they should win from here. It's all on them. And he just delivered. He delivered a great over and things went our way. Tom ran out, Jamie, and I took a catch somehow. And um, we ended up winning. And it was insane. It was crazy scenes. It's like we won the World Cup. We just went mental uh, on their turf as well. It was insane. So... Getting through to finals day is something that Yorkshire we've spoken about so many times, and everyone's like, it's always spoken about why don't Yorkshire get to finals day? Because we've had some really good teams, and even since I've been here, we've had some great teams. We never got through to finals day, and it was just like, well, I know Livy said, like, if we don't get through to finals day this year with this team, then we've done, then it's our, we've, we've buggered up big time, and it looked like we had, and we had a tough draw, and it, it, it paid off, so. Yeah, that was insane. Absolutely insane. Well, it was. And Simon Dawes' commentary, I think, matched that level of insanity because that was brilliantly called by one of yeah. the best commentators on the planet right now. I mean, he treated that like a World Cup final. The excitement yeah. that he he delivered 
and provided in that moment has just made it a legendary game and one which we will look back fondly on for many, yeah. many years to come. Even if you're a Surrey fan, it was just a fantastic game of cricket. And be honest, Will, have you ever been more nervous in your life when that ball came up in the air from Sun on a Rhine and you <laughs> were underneath that to take that catch? <laughs> you know what? I, I have definitely been more nervous just because I'm good when I don't have to think. Like if I rely on my instincts and I just do it, I'm great. It's when I start overthinking that I get, I, you can freeze. So I remember I got sent out at deep square and I remember this really well. I was just behind square and Shadab Khan was at point. And as Tom was running, I could see him just going, like telling me to go that way, go more, um, more fine. So I just started walking that way. And then all of a sudden he whips this ball. And at that point, I think they needed three off two or something like that oh no they needed like i can't remember what it was i think it was three off two and he whips it out and my initial instinct was actually to hold it because he hit it really flat so my initial instinct was actually to go back because i was trying to stop the boundary but then it just carried on going and instinctively i think i just got in a position to catch it and <laughs> luckily it stuck um and it was just one of those moments where i look back now and i'm like oh jesus <laughs> that's a good, that was a good job that i held back but um, it was just, it was just an in, it was just a an instinct, and that's what you train for. Like I train really hard, I do extra stuff, and you have to because if I'd have dropped that catch and I hadn't worked hard or drop, I've worked, tried to work under pressure and put in those extra hours, I'd have blamed myself, being like, well, if I'd have tried harder, I could have just relied on instinct, and I was just really happy that 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 stuck uh, because, yeah, when it was traveling towards me, I was a bit like, oh. God, everyone thought it was four, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. me included. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You don't want to be the villain, do you, in games like that? And obviously, with all the pressure associated with a quarter final, it does just mean even more. As you said, finals day is is massive mm. for all of the 18 first-class counties. But for Yorkshire in particular, it has been some relatively tough years in the T20 Blast. I mean, to have, to have a Roses semi-final as well was quite special, I suppose, we do have to talk about that, even though it didn't go Yorkshire's way. But yeah. at Edgebaston, you've got a capacity crowd. Oz there, actually, fantastic finals day, might I just say, from mm. all four of the teams. But what was that like in terms of that Roses semi-final? Because it never happened before. It was, um, it was incredible, to be honest with you. It was... I, I felt less nervous that day than I did at Surrey, for some reason. It felt great and it felt again like we were a bit underdogs but we were also really confident in the side that we had out that we were like this is lads we can do this like the problem is is that Lancashire have been a thorn in our side a little bit for a while now they're they are I hate to admit it, they're good at they're a really good outfit they've got a lot of experience they get over they get a lot of good overseas and Tomo played an absolute blinder that day and what like 50 or 17 balls it's crazy I was actually quite annoyed about that. He got sent in ahead of me because it was the short boundary of shooting. Because <laughs> I just played well in the quarterfinal and Gibbo was like, Tomo, we're going to go left and right and you go. And I was like, oh. So I got like one ball at the end or two balls at the end. But it worked out quite well. <laughs> so we got a really good score and we were confident. We were like, lads, this is going to be a really tough chase. We bowl and field anywhere near where we can. This is going to be really, really tough. And unfortunately, we we missed it. Early, we just didn't 
ball well and, and Phil Salt started off really well. And then they've just got so much experience in those in those middle overs with Villas and, and Jennings and Croft. These guys have you look at the stats, I mean, I've played 30, probably about 30 games of T20. And most of them, I've, I've, some of them, like, probably a lot of them, I haven't even batted so I've just fielded. So you've got a lot of, you know, Matty Revis, he, he did well last year, but he played, that was his first year playing. You know, we had a lot of inexperience, and we had uh, Dom Drakes overseas. And they just sort of showed us, it was an exhibition, really, in how to chase down a big target. It was really annoying to watch from where I was at Deep Square and Team Wicket, but sometimes when you don't get it right against teams like that, you're going to lose nine times out of ten. You need to get lucky. You need them to play a bad shot. You need them to make a, a bad judgment. And the more experienced players make less and less of those. So it was really disappointing, to be honest with you, because we were that close. We were really confident. And we had momentum because of Thomas' innings. We had loads of momentum going into that innings. And they were just cool, calm and collected and, and got them, that got them over the line, unfortunately. But it was still a great, a great um, occasion and one that I will really look back fondly on, apart from the result. Yeah, obviously. But yeah, if you're a Yorkshire fan or a Yorkshire player, obviously you'd want it to have, have gone differently. But as you mentioned, that Lancashire team across formats are ridiculously good at the moment. And if you do get it wrong, you are going to get punished. But it's all about experience, isn't it? When you look at that Lanx team, they've had finals day experience before as well. We can't just forget that. So you do have to take that into consideration. And for the youngsters in particular, in that Yorkshire side, both the quarterfinal and the semi-final, is invaluable, isn't it, to take with them heading into the future. So if the opportunity presents itself again in the near future, they'll be in a much better stead as opposed to 2022. That's the way that you have to to look at it, I suppose. And talking of the 2022 season then, Will, aside from the fantastic performances in the T20 Blast, you also had that ridiculous 143 against Northamptonshire which I suppose we do have to have a little bit of a, of a chat about because, again, that was a, a stunning knock in a stunning game. But, again, what do you say was your individual highlight then from the 2022 season before we get onto the conversation about the tougher moments? Well, it'll keep harping on, but, yeah, that, that Surrey game, the, the knock there was was one of my best. It, I, as a cricketer, as a batter, you pride yourself Cole Cadmore talks about it all the time. It's not about how many runs you get, it's how many games you win. How how do you influence the team in winning? Because at the end of the day, that's all we care about. We are quite a selfless team and, and we play T20 in a selfless way where it's it's not about we look back and we look at our averages at the end of the year. We look back at the strike rates and we look back at, okay, you got 12, you got off six balls. If everyone gets 12 or six balls, we win every game because you get 200. Um, so I look back on that Surrey game I was under a lot of pressure behind closed doors and I'd had a tough time in and out of the team and was feeling a bit amiss. And that sort of really reminded me what I can do and what I can, what I can offer the team. Um, and yeah, that, the, the, to be honest with you, the one-day comp, I really want to play in the 100. It's been an ambition of mine, but I've really, that one-day comp is so fun. It's It's amazing because players like myself who aren't necessarily senior or 
the big standout names take on senior standout roles. So I get to open the bat in that tournament, which I am. I've always been an opening batter, and I love opening the bat in, in red and white ball. So I get an opportunity to do that. We've got a great set of lads. We all, a lot of us are best mates. A lot of the guys in the team live together or we see each other all the time. So it's a very close-knit team, and it feels like you take on more responsibility and it's, there's less hiding. It's more, okay, it's not on live anymore to score all these runs. It's on you. You do it. And it's like, yeah, all right, I'm going to do it. And um, so, yeah, I look back on that tournament that where I should have, I should have really, I felt so good in a lot of games. I should have got more runs. But that Northampton game was was great because me and Duke put on a lot of runs and Will Luxton had a great knock. And we beat a very, to be honest with you, that Northampton team was, was, was good. It was a good side. Will Young and, and all those, Nathan Buck and Safe and they had a, Tom Taylor, a lot of experience, a lot of good cricketers. So that was kind of a, a, a benchmark of what we set ourselves, being a young team where we were like, lads, if we can beat these guys, then we're, we're going to be a force to reckon with in this tournament. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed the one-day comp. That was a real highlight. I can imagine you did, because just looking at the, the boundaries that you scored in that particular innings, the one four three from 107 balls, 12 fours and eight sixes. Not bad going... <laughs> At all, to be honest, Will, that is quite some knock. And obviously the big thing for you guys as players, obviously getting the win as well by 33 runs. So, yeah, should be tremendously proud of that. 2022, definitely a standout year for yourself. Would you agree with that in terms of your cricketing journey? It was quite a bit of a breakthrough year. In a way, like, I played more than I had done in the last few years due to a bit of injury and a bit of getting a game here and then Johnny would come back or Mallow would come back and it was one of them where I actually got a bit more opportunity, which I didn't necessarily see happening. But I would say that it was a it was great to play more games. I definitely didn't do as well as I would like to do, especially in the red ball or what I can do. But that is again, I I gained a lot of experience being like because I've only I think been for four years now and I started off well in 2019 and then I had a bad injury and had to have surgery and then since then in the red ball I've been I took it back to the drawing board and I've really worked hard and probably overthought it a lot and I haven't really done myself justice so it's a work in progress where I now feel like I've matured enough I know my game now that I'm actually really looking forward to hopefully putting it right next year in the red ball format and then when the white ball it's just about actually doing what I can do more consistently. And that's what I look forward to hopefully doing. Well, fingers crossed you can, Will, as we shall discuss when we get on to our concluding segments about the future, because we shall discuss that to end today's podcast. But before we do, just one final thing from the 2022 season that I suppose we do have to discuss is the end of it. And it is the relegation for Yorkshire going down to Division 2 Obviously, a tremendously tough moment for everybody involved at the club because we mentioned it beforehand, people associated with Yorkshire are so proud about the history, the heritage of this club and it's standing in Division 1. That must have been tremendously difficult to take. So I suppose in terms of those final moments of the 2022 season, what was your reaction to finding out that Yorkshire had been relegated as a result of that extraordinary performance from Liam Norwell at Edgebaston? How the hell did he do that? Yeah, we I still, still don't know. <laughs> to this day, build that man a statue. Honestly, I agree that with that. Was, 
You know what's very funny as well is I'm good friends with Nick Gubbins, who was obviously playing in that game. And he's, we spoke to each other a little bit. They were obviously trying to go for the title. And I remember we played against Surrey at the Oval. And he, they, we were messaging each other. And he messaged me that, that week, being like, come on, lads, do us a job here. Do, like, turn over Surrey somehow. And I'm like, this is going to be tough. And we obviously didn't. Um, and then everybody, we've got a group chat, obviously, all the lads. And I didn't play the Gloucester game. And we we obviously play poorly and, and we end up losing that game. So we were a lot of times last year we were the creature of our own demise, you know, big time. We were in positions to draw and win games, which we lost. Which was probably down to inexperience, low confidence, a lot of things. It was just a lot of it was a really tough time, um, in the dressing room and behind closed doors and lads just weren't themselves. And it was it was tough. But we were watching that game on and off, watching it, watching it, watching it. I saw Gobo was batting up really well, actually. And I was like, he's going to win it. He's going to win this game for us. He's, it's all right, boys. They've got this. They've got this. And he get he got out and we were watching it all. And it was, a, I would, I think it was Ketz who gave him out, Richard Cobra. And he's a really good umpire. But I would, I would hazard to say that I think he might have just got that one slightly wrong. And that's putting it lightly to what Gubbo rang me and said. <laughs> um, so that happened. Liam Noel produces this amazing spell. And funny enough, really, actually, dark humour. We were having like an end of season kind of social that night. And I was in the Hawk Suite at Yorkshire with our cricket operations manager, setting up for the evening. I had it on a live stream. And setting up for this social event. And we lost. they lost. And we were relegated. And it was honestly like, I've never felt my stomach sink more and just be more down and upset about something, which wasn't due to, you know, a horrible incident. And it was, we actually, we had to do this thing. It had all been books. And it was honestly like a wake at a funeral. Everyone came in, nobody really said anything. Everyone was so down because it was awful. It was absolutely awful because you feel like the biggest failure. Ever. We we all know we play for Yorkshire. We all know what Yorkshire means to us and to the fans. Yorkshire should never be in Division Two. You know, we we should never be. And we had the players this year. Yeah, it was inexperienced and stuff, but we're good players. They're young, but we can do this. Like, but we let ourselves down. We let the fans down, and that was something really really difficult to take, and still is. But. Through adversity comes opportunity. And it was a reflection of probably where we were at the end of the year that we got relegated because it we were poor. We were we were in a dark it was tough. Like it was a really tough place to be. Confidence was really low. Guys' heads were down. And there was just a lot going on. And it came out on the on the pitch, like it always does. You know, you see a lot of teams look like a well-oiled machine because they are a well a well-oiled machine. Um, so yeah, I mean the relegation was probably a hundred percent the darkest day of my career, and I'm pretty sure a lot of guys will say the same thing um, because it's our fault at the end of the day, and you let yourselves down. But like I said, we're we're now we're over it now, and we're looking forward to bouncing back. And with the squad we do have, and the overseas players we have recruited and the way the guys are looking like we look better we look ready we look refreshed and we look ready to put things set things right 
Well, again, that, that's good news for the Yorkshire fans who will be tuning in to today's episode because 2022, how it ended was tremendously difficult. Obviously, getting relegated, I mean, it doesn't get much worse than that, to be honest, as, as a fan of any county club. It's a really, really tough feeling. I know that as a, as a Warwickshire fan. 2017, we finished rock bottom. We scored 86 points in the entire season. We didn't win a single game, right? And that was just horrible. You do get this pit in your stomach and... It's almost that reset. You have to go back to Division 2 and then get back into Division 1. And you're not guaranteed. Look at Middlesex after 2017. Yeah. They've only just gone back up. So there's no guarantees in the game of cricket. But all you can do now, as you said, put that to the back of, of your mind. Reset, refocus, and try your absolute utmost to try and get back to where Yorkshire belong in, in Division 1, which will be difficult, though. Division 2 this summer is going to be very, very competitive. Look at Glamorgan, for example, with the likes of Marnus, you've got Michael Nisa, you've got some outstanding domestic talents. Division 2 is going to be very, very tough this summer. So, obviously, wishing yourself and the Yorkshire boys, along with the rest of Division 2, all the best, to be honest, Will. It does look like it's going to be another competitive year in the second division of the County Championship here in England and Wales. And discussing the future then, Will, I suppose that's a lovely place to conclude today's episode of the podcast, taking a little bit of a look ahead to the 2023 season, because as of this recording, we're just 62 days away from the first ball being bowled in the 2023 County Championship, so not long to go at all. In terms of this season and the years that follow, what are you looking to achieve from both an individual and a team perspective heading into the summer of 2023? Um, well, I think from a team point of view, it, it's very obvious we, we need to get back into Division 1. And like you just said there, Division 2 is a real dogfight because they're, not, they're nowhere near mugs. There's some great cricketers in Division 2, some great teams, and it's going to be really tough. And we know that. I think that was a big thing about when we got relegated was, Jesus, it's going to be tough to come back up. Like, because like you said, Glamorgan... Derbyshire are a really strong outfit now. There's a lot of great teams. Durham. Sussex. Sussex. Like, With Steve Smith and Pajara. <laughs> yeah. That's a good that's a good engine room. <laughs> um, I've heard Hove's quite flat as well at times. So, yeah, good luck to the boys. <laughs> Let's hope we take our catches. Um, but I think, yeah, that's obviously the mindset is that we need to sort of have a good start and get into the championship. It, it's, it's really a lot form-based. Like, when you get on a run, you can see it with teams. They just sort of don't stop. It's, it's like any sport. You get momentum. You get the wind in your sails. Lads are confident. The batters are scoring runs. The bowlers are taking wickets. And things just flow. It's almost like clockwork. It just happens. You don't even know it's happening, and it happens. Whereas things start poorly, you need to show a lot of character and a lot of grit to sort of pull it back. And I think, obviously, that is the main focus how we do that is going to be interesting because none of us have ever had to sort of, we've never had to sort of look up. To, we've always been chasing the county championship. My whole time at this club has been, how are we going to win the championship? And we've always been, every year apart from last year, we've always actually been nearly there. We've always been within two or three games of, we're going to win. Where we finished like fourth, we finished fifth, but, we, but it was really tight at the top where we were sort of 20, 30 points behind the winner. It was always like that. So now it's going to be a different focus of, okay, how do we win games? How do we, because we know there's a lot of pressure on us. So I guess it's how do we take the pressure off? So that's definitely a big, big focus. And then the white ball, I think it's got to be, 
again, we lost a lot of great players, a lot of key parts of our team. So I guess it's going to be a bit more, okay, with our new outfit, how are we going to win games? Because we had a, a formula that worked before, but maybe we not, might need to have a new formula. So if we can get to finals day again, obviously <laughs> you set out every year to win trophies, obviously. But you never know. I, we're going to go into the chat, the T20 Blast wanting to win that. But I think it's going to be a lot about how can we balance our side the best? How are we going to win games the best? And we take it from there. To try not to think too far ahead of ourselves because I think that happened a bit last year. We got a bit ahead of ourselves thinking about this, this, this rather than focusing on this ball here. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a bit of rebuilding and see where we're at there. Um, and then myself, it's just about trying to break into the 100, trying to break into some franchise cricket in the winter, which would be great in the white ball stuff because I've been pretty close and it's been frustrating to maybe not have had a go because I feel like I can be very beneficial in that T20, T10 aspect of the game. Um, but for me, it's just sort of doing justice to myself and repaying some of the fans' patience and the coaches' patience and actually performing the way I know I can. Um, a bit like, to be honest with you, Brookie's a great example. Like Harry Brook has now gone to the stratosphere, which is what he was always capable of. He is the most remarkably talented guy I've ever had the pleasure of standing the other end at. Yeah, and he, he knows that. Like He's not arrogant or cocky, but he knows how good he is. And he's finally, last year, just done what we all knew he could do, but even better. Like He's been even more consistent than we ever thought he could be. And it just clicked. So I'm kind of hoping I'm... <laughs> I'm realistic enough to know I won't do what Brookie's done, but I'm realistic as well to know that when things click and you know your game and you know what to do, things can happen. And I know I'm good enough to score big runs at first team level, especially in red ball. So it's now just about doing it. So I hope to sort of do that and show my worth and hopefully have a a long career with Yorkshire. And if not, I just hope I have a long career in the game. Well, Will, it goes without saying, but obviously myself and everybody associated with the Counter Cricket Podcast are wishing yourself and the Yorkshire boys all the very best of luck heading into the summer of 2023 and the years beyond. We mentioned it beforehand, 2022, we saw a little bit of a, a taster, didn't we? A sample of what you're capable of in the game of cricket. Fingers crossed 2023. A few more games under the belts, a few more centuries, a few more quickfire cameos as well. That would be absolutely lovely. And obviously, fingers crossed that you keep injury-free as well over the course of this summer. But Will Frame, that is a wonderful place to wrap up what has been an absolutely fascinating episode of the Counts Cricket Podcast. I've just had a look at the time. We've been going for an hour and a half. That has absolutely flown by. But <laughs> it's a very good stint, actually. Not quite the longest, though. Had three and a half no. hours with Darren Maddy. But oh, wow. um, I digress. I know that was a, a very long episode. Worth a listen, though, <laughs> listeners. Episode 50, yeah. just to give it a quick plug before we end today's episode. But before we finish the recording, Will, do you have anything to plug or promote? Any social media channels, websites, businesses, anything like that? Um, no, no, all good. Just thank you very much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, the pleasure's been all mine, mate. Honestly, it really has. It's been an absolutely excellent episode of the podcast. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and... It is podcast tradition, so we will leave your social media links in the podcast description below, Twitter and Instagram. So to any listeners out there who want to go and follow Will, check on how he's doing over the course of the summer of 2023. 
please feel free to go and check that out using the links in the description in due course. But that is essentially it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.